Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right, Cowtown Bob has Texas spec. This is a tough one. Here we go. Bob, if you were old, you wouldn't be so enamored with the tragically hip. My picks from the Flames would be Majapani today and Gary Roberts from the past. Ricky Ray went from the Eskimos to the Argos. That was a poach to give Toronto an opportunity to play in the Great Cup uh, later that year. No, that was a uh, bad trade by Eric Tillman. That's what that was. And I am not going to be a hypocrite. I thought there was a way out of that trade that could be successful for the uh, Edmonton Eskimos at that time. And uh, it, uh, but you gotta you gotta make the Canadians count and some other parts of it. And they just they didn't put the right package together to win the trade. And turned out Ricky Ray was more than a game manager at that stage in his career, which is. if euphemism deployed in football circles that some quarterbacks despise, game manager. Speck, what do you think? What do I think of Ricky Ray? Well, I mean, just the 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 the, the slide uh, for the Eskimos. I mean, that Ricky Ray, now they did win in 2015 with Mike Riley, with Chris Jones here, so it hasn't been totally away you go. No, I mean, listen, that the I guess if you want to go back, you know, you can look at that Ricky Ray trade as a something that happened at a lot higher point than the Eskimos have ever been to or Elks to this point since. But, you know, there's, there's so little continuity in the CFL. Like, I, I have a hard time going back 10 years in the CFL and saying that thing made this thing happen 10 years later. The rosters are so much turnover. Yeah, it's a, just, it's a different sport. It's a different league. It doesn't work the same way it works in other leagues where guys sign five, six, seven-year deals. Uh, the current edition of the Elks, they got a lot bigger trouble than looking back at trade oh, yeah. made by Eric Tillman, I'll tell you that. Domestic league, you got to have the best domestic players. And <laughs> you know who almost went working for them back in the mid-2000s, Mark. So, because yep. it was... And, and that brings me to where the Oilers can go. Because I said, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, you have career players that start and finish their career with your organization. You know what? Like Mike Bossy, God rest his soul, he had his career shortened because of back problems, but he was a lifetime Islander. Dennis Potvin was a lifetime New York Islander. Uh, many would suggest that Clark Gillies, who's since passed, and Brian Trotje should have been lifetime Islanders. We didn't have that, Mark. You and me grew up and watched first the, the Edmonton Eskimos dynasty, then the Edmonton Oilers dynasty, so we were spoiled. But Peter Pocklington's financial situation unraveled. And he sold off his top players and, and all those help. In a perfect world, is it feasible in a cap system? And and there is one mechanism, Mark, where I could say he might be able to make it work. Okay? He might be able to make it work. What if you hit on your first round pick every year? <laughs> well, sure. Okay. You don't trade your number one. And you just, every year you hit on your first, and you get a player every year out of the first round. Well, that sounds like that would solve a lot of problems. But, um, you know, I give you, I offer to the court to nail Yakupov. Yep. <laughs> right? You don't always hit on your first round picks. It's it's too, you know, that's a pie. And if, if your theory is incumbent on the team making a good draft pick in the first round every single year and never missing, well, even the smartest teams miss once in a while, right? Even the Montreal Canadiens drafted Doug Wickenheiser in the back of the day when they never got anything. Well, they could have gotten Denny Savard. There you go. So yeah, that's that's 
Fitzgerald's got too many holes in it, Bob. All right. Too many holes. Well, you can work. Here's the thing, Speck. Uh, you're going to go to Penticton. The Oilers yeah. are the only team there with four first-round draft choices that are going to be at that. It's just a confluence of events, the way it's worked. A couple yeah. of the teams, have, you know, Calgary's traded away a pick along the way. Uh, Vancouver's traded away a couple first-rounders along the way. But Coulson's already playing in the NHL. Holloway and Broberg are eligible to play, even though they were past first-round picks. Um, but... You know, again, Mark, the Oilers are the only team in the NHL currently, and I don't know if this is going to be the case when we drop the puck on in on October 12th, but the Oilers are the only team in the National Hockey League right now that over the last 10 years has retained all their first-round picks and has all those first-round picks over the last 10 years, dating back to Darnell Nurse in 2013, still in the organization. No other team in the league has that. And... And I'm the guy saying, hell yeah, I'd trade the 2023 to go get Pat Kane at some point. But it does pose the question, what if you just hold on to a pick every year? The first round. You say, hey, we'll trade second, third rounders, but we're holding on to our first round pick. And that's that. What do you think? Well, it's not a bad tenant, Bob. It's not a bad tenant to manage by. You know, it's certainly, like, there's, there's nothing negative about holding on to a first round pick. You get a, a young, good player, a top. 30 player coming into the entry draft to get a guy you're under you have under control till the age of 27 generally of course but everyone gets tempted and now it's Ken Holland's turn to be tempted you know Ken Holland the other side of this spectrum is when you have two first round picks like McDavid and Drysaddle that are top two or three in scoring every year uh, you better start winning while you have them under control because you know both guys contracts are going to come up and there's no question, you know, you could afford one of them, no matter what they make. Uh, and now we start to ask if, if the market will allow you to afford both of them. I don't know what the market will be at that point, Bob, and where the cap will be. But it's time for the owners to win cups now, not three, four years from now. Well, it's funny, Mark. Uh, I did a little bit of homework today, as you know I would. Um, and I'm ar- I've already built an index card for 23-24, okay? And uh, John Shannon... Brendan, do we have time? Uh, Spec, did you hear the John Shannon quote earlier in the show uh, about Paul Yarby? I did. You did, and and you sort of were feeling the same thing. Like, are you surprised that Paul Yarby is? Did you think he was for sure gone at some point between the draft and free agency? I, I listen. I don't say for sure anymore because here's the situation. Fluid. I will say to you that for <laughs> sure Ken Holland was listening to offers on Jesse Paul Yarby. For sure, he had a mind that he was willing to trade the player. But what didn't happen for sure was the market coming back with an offer that uh, Ken Holland saw fit to make a deal. The market wasn't there. If it was, he'd be gone. So, you know what? I thought he'd be gone, but I never would say to you, nothing's for sure, Bob. It takes another manager. Remember when Jesse Poirier went over to Finland, and all I think it would have just taken a first-round pick to get him. And nobody offered one. Right. Um, I would have taken Henrik Borgstrom. Yeah, there you go. Right. Hasn't panned out as a player. I saw him play at Denver. Had lots of intel on him. Thought for sure he was going to be a third-line center. Hasn't been able to make any headway as an NHL player. All right, Spec. So I mentioned I've already looked at 23-24. So we're going to operate under the context that these eight forwards are going to be on the team. McDavid, Kane, Hyman, Drysaddle, RNH, and Yamamoto. Those six are all in their contract uh, beyond this year. I got Holloway and McLeod on the team. That's eight forwards for $43 million. I got Nurse, CeCe, Kulak, Bouchard, and Broberg on the team. 
that's $22.5 million because I got Bouchard at 5.5 on an extension, McLeod at $2 million on an extension, and I got okay. Campbell and Skinner in goal. Skinner on a marginal increase, $1.5 million and a half on, a, on an extension for a backup. And that would give the Oilers eight forwards, five defensemen, two goaltenders. They'd be at about $75 million on the book if you factored in Neal and uh, Bouchard getting a, a, an overage bonus for this year that the Oilers are going to have to pay next year, about 800000 bucks. Uh, it's guaranteed he's going to get it because he got it last year. He's going to get it this year as well. And so, so you need about seven more players for about eight and a half million, seven, seven more players for eight and a half million bucks. That's doable. That's they're actually in a better situation next year than they are in this summer right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know they've got they've got a couple homegrown defensive prospects coming, right? We're, you know they've got DeHarnay, they've got Niemelainen coming. These guys are important for the Oilers' future, aren't they? Oh, I listen in so many ways. First of all, the the size coming on their defense is awesome. Uh, you know, the having depth guys that are big and strong, I think, is important. And the fact that you've drafted these guys, you've developed these guys, you have them under control, and you're going to get a couple of inexpensive years out of them. That's every bit as important. Yeah. That scenario you just laid down, Bob, you're looking for eight guys that are making on average about 1.2. So a couple of those guys are going to be DeHarnay and Nima Linen probably, aren't yep. they? Yep, absolutely. And they add to what Ken likes on defense, right? Spec trees. He likes big, rangy defensemen, and the you know the Oilers would have you know Nurse at six four, CC at six three, Kulak at six two, Bouchard at six two and a half, Broberg at six foot four, Niemelainen is six foot five, and DeHarnay is six seven. So that is a a vastly yeah, diff- that's a big defense. That's a big defense, and DeHarnay has got a different skill. Part of the, part of the problem, unfortunately, for Tyson Berry and Evan Bouchard is there's some redundancy in what they do effectively, which is uh, you know their effectiveness. They move the puck. That said, all in all, how you know Mark when you when you take a step back at thirty thousand feet and where Edmonton's at right now. When you talk to the other writers around the league, when they call you or other broadcasters, what's you know what's your perception, and conversely, what's the perception of others? Yeah, certainly the rest of the leagues look at Edmonton like a, a top contender here. I think when you see the picks come out uh, in the next you know coming weeks, hockey news, the, the sports that TSN all over the league, you're going to see Edmonton the resounding favorite to win the Pacific from coast to coast, whether they're picking it out of New York or they're picking it out of L.A. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, I don't want to say, a growing respect, a growing realization of what a player Leon Dreisaitl is. That, that performance in the playoffs last year, those of us on this show, listening to this show, watching the orders every day, we knew it already. But there is an element out there around the league, there was, of... Connor McDavid's great, and Leon Draisaitl is a bit of a byproduct of that. Well, anyone, everyone was watching in the playoffs last year and realized that holy cow, this guy's you know as good as the people at Edmonton have been telling us he is. So there's that. Uh, there's a little speculation out there about whether Nurse is a nine point two five million dollar player, and that's very fair. But the other thing I think is Campbell. If Campbell plays well. Uh, you know, there'll be some guys who will tell you he's not as good a goalie as you think. There's others that, can, that are going to say he's very good. Uh, I think that if Campbell has a good first two months, this is a team that they can look at the goaltending situation and say, okay, 
This was a question mark for us in the past. It's not anymore. There's some solidity here, Bob. People look at this team now and say they got most of their bases covered here. What do you think Ken Holland's thinking right now? Like he went, he went to the U18 uh, championship to the Holinka Gretzky. We know he was there. This is supposed to be a ridiculously deep draft at forward. Okay. Like, there's a lot of really... There's like 10 really good Canadian forwards in this year's upcoming draft. Seriously. Um, he was at the first week of the World Juniors. You know he's held on to the picks. We, we've had, we had people text this show every day saying, Bob, a reminder, people were saying Ken Holland should be fired for not trading the first-round pick back in January when the Oilers were taken on water. Uh-huh. And then he got out of his comfort zone and you know made the change of Tippett and brought in Jay Woodcroft with Dave Manson. And I think Dave Manson was a big part of that success for this. And part of the reason, Mark, that I'm somewhat yeah. bullish on the Oilers' young D is the fact that Manson's the guy working with them. Um, but what do you think Ken's thinking on this? Well, listen, I, I, I this is what he's thinking. If I'm going to trade this first-round pick, particularly in a rich year in 2023, it better be a move that, that gets me to the Stanley Cup. It, it's not going to be for, you know, a depth guy. It's not going to be for a maybe. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be in a Chikrin deal. It's going to be in a Kane deal. It's going to be in a, uh, I don't, I think that this, he, his history is, you don't like trading that first round pick. We've just been through all the stats, Bob. Uh, this is a particularly handsome first round pick coming up in this draft. I get it. Eminem might be picking 28th or something, right? Right. 32nd last year. Yeah, they're picking pretty deep. So there's that side of it. But I think that he's at the point now where he's he's hearing what we're saying. The next step for this team is to be in a Stanley Cup final, and that first-round pick had better get him there. But you're not giving up that first-round pick for Nick Foligno to get those Stanley Cup finals spec. Yeah, right. No, no, and I'm not doing it to shed some salary or – you know, I'm not doing it to help my cap situation. This first round pick sitting there on a platter, it better be a hell of a trade if he's going to use it. Would you do it? All right. Would you do it if you could get out of a salary a year earlier and got back a comparable or better player in the short term? Oh, I don't know. You got to give me the player, Bob. You got to uh, tell me how to make my team better. Ah, uh, not yet. Not going to do it yet. I got an idea, <laughs> but not yet. Okay. Uh, I can't can't give away the farm yet, Spec. Come Uh, on, Bob. What's it going to be? It's been hinted out there. Maybe not. You're you're moving Fogel and you're bringing someone else in, right? I'm just saying that when when I gave you the list of the eight forwards and the five defensemen, I didn't have Fogel, Pogliarvi, or Barry listed. So, you know, and and Pogliarvi's... Like and people say, why are you giving away Bully Irby? I, I think there needs to be a come to Jesus moment for a certain segment of the Oiler fan base that realizes this guy doesn't have the same cachet outside of Edmonton that a percentage of the fan base and some media members think he actually has. Like, like I could see Anaheim making sense for Bully Irby and Seattle just because of the makeups of their organization and their cap situations. Uh-huh. Okay, but they're like they're they know the position. Like, could you bring in Evan Rodriguez as a replacement for Yessa Pulyarvi, or is that a dumb idea? Oh, you could bring him in. He's a more established player for sure. 
uh, I'm going to say you, if you think Anaheim is a place, you know, does does Pugliarvi, uh and that first get you Klingberg at some point this year? Well, do you, but do you need Klingberg if you have Barry and Bouchard here, Spec? You need a different, well, yeah, you know, right? So that's sure. Listen, we're you're getting warmer in August, but we're getting warmer. So, you know what? Listen, the the beauty of having kept all his first round picks is. He can afford to move this one now. It's it's Ken Holland is dealing from a position of strength. He's looking at his farm system. It's it's. I just read uh, uh, Pronman's Corey Pronman's stuff in the Athletic about the, he ranked all 32 systems. He had Edmonton at 18th. When you're at Final Four team and you got the 18th ranked farm system, that's that's means you're ahead of schedule and you're doing a good job. Well, and that's and we should mention that's 22 and under. Right, so that misses the McDavid. Those guys are now established players, right? Included, it included Bouchard. It included. There were six players that included Bouchard and McLeod from 2018. Yeah, obviously Broberg from 2019, Holloway 2020, Borgo 2021, and Mark. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm super bullish on Reed Schaefer. I don't want Reed Schaefer and Penticton fighting. Like Calgary always has tough guys. I want. Tyler Wright to make sure that Edmonton's protected and has a guy who's willing to take that fight because I don't need to see an 18-year-old kid fighting a 20-year-old kid who's an enforcer in the Western League. Go bring your own enforcer from the Western League in to protect your team, right? But I am really bullish on Reed Schaefer. He's exactly the dynamic that the Oilers need. For mm-hmm. I, And I believe that he will find a way to play in the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you know what? I'll say it right now, Spec. I believe he's going to play in the top six one day. One I'm, day, well, fair th- enough. I'm that bullish on Seattle him. Next year. And you know what? If this team hasn't competed pretty hard uh, or at least appeared in uh, a Stanley Cup final by the time Reed Schaefer's in their top six. Uh, four, you know, we're talking four or five years down the road, right? Five but, years down the road, Bob. There's a lot of hockey to get played before yeah. Reed Schaefer walks in the store. All right. Uh, Mark, as always, thank you for your time. We'll hook up on Friday. All right, Bobby, have a great rest of the week. We will try. 124 in Edmonton, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. And all season long, we will tell you that the Oilers Now injury report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. James H. Brown. It's this simple. They're the best. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang. James H. Brown. We'll come back and get to some of your texts at 125 at Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. We've talked often about the great variety of used vehicles that our friends at Brent Ridge Ford are proud of. Brent Ridge Ford want you to know that the order bank for 2023 SUVs and F-150s are now open. If you want to be treated fairly at the time of a purchase and enjoy quality service at the time of the sale and after the sale, order your new vehicle. From Uncle Milt, Johnny, Rich, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford. They are 11-time winners of the President's Award for Customer Satisfaction. You can tell them orders now sent you. You can call them at Brent Ridge Ford. 1-877-477-3673. Two quick texts. Here we go. Dave Texas on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, is there any news in the Kane San Jose situation? No. There's no news on that. And Jason from Sangudo is going to have some fun. He says, Bob, Ken Holland says goodbye to Jesse P. Bye, son. From Jason at Sangudo. Now, he's a funny, creative guy. Brendan, 
You got 30 seconds. You're Ken Holland. What do you think he's thinking of right now? I think that he is going to remain patient up until the deadline. I think that uh, they're going to wait and see exactly what the team's true needs are down the stretch. They might be different from what is going to emerge out of training camp. So I bet you we see him wait on his hands a little bit more and maybe make a couple of cheaper acquisitions that bolster sort of the toughness of the roster for the playoffs. There we go. I That might be ultimately what comes to fruition. Jonathan Willis is coming up next when we return on Oilers Now. He's from The Athletic. We've had him on the show before. A long, many of you read him over the years in Oilers Nation. Now with The Athletic, and he wrote a couple of really interesting pieces. We'll get to those when we return after a Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell.